Welcome to Strictly Business, Variety's weekly podcast featuring conversations with industry leaders about the business of media and entertainment. I'm Cynthia Littleton, business editor for Variety. Today, my guest is Mark Pedowitz, chairman and CEO of the CW Network. Pedowitz started out this year preparing for the possibility of a writer's strike by stocking up on unscripted and acquired programs. Squirreling away those extra shows came in handy when the pandemic upended TV's traditional schedule. Because of the disruption in production, CW has delayed its new season launch until January. The curveball of the pandemic is just one challenge that Pedowitz has navigated in his nearly 10 years at the helm of CW. In our conversation, Pedowitz talks about the decision early on in his tenure to move CW aggressively into the ad-supported streaming arena, or AVOD as he calls it. The industry veteran who spent nearly 20 years as a senior executive at ABC and Disney also gets a little sentimental about the end this year of stalwart CW series Arrow and Supernatural. Mark Pedowitz, Chairman and CEO of the CW, thank you so much for joining us. Mark, you are the longest-serving broadcast network executive still in office. Quite a, uh, quite a run for you, almost coming up on 10 years. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Let's talk about the fall season. Which is, which is kind of a misnomer this year. You, CW obviously took a lot of steps very early on to prepare yourself for a COVID-disrupted world. You have, um, so you're breaking with tradition. You have a very few shows that will launch in like September, October, but you've really pushed your, your, the main focus of the new season to January. Can you talk about sort of the thinking that went into that and when you realized that you were going to need to do that and, and because of that, you were going to also need to stock up on some shows to get you through that, to get you through that limbo period? What started in December and January and making sure we would still be in business should there have been a WGA strike. Ah, yeah. We, we, uh, made sure, could roughly that having come and run a studio, I know knowing ahead of time, uh, the earlier you advise someone that this show has been renewed, the better you have a shot for the production efficiencies, everything goes with it. Also realizing that by doing that, you would have prevented some issues should have there been a program shortage to a work stoppage. Right. And COVID began to emerge we collectively as a group sat down and took a hard look at, there is a good chance that programming and production will not start in a timely fashion. And we stayed in constant contact with both CBS Studios and Warner Brothers Studios to understand what they were thinking, how they were thinking, how it was evolving. And we started aggressively in February and March, uh, as things were happening, to begin looking around the world uh, for programming uh, with Kevin Levy and his group to see what would fit on the schedule, not knowing when it would start. As we got into April, we became aware because of the potential of the second wave, which in fact that occurred, hopefully will not, that these productions needed to start and be managed in the safest possible way. And having started from a dead start from after, it's one thing to start something. Right. It's another thing to start everything back up. Right. So we realized that there would be a good chance of fits and starts going in. 
So we collectively in the board were supportive of this, made the choice to uh, predict or, or project out to January to launch everything. Uh, when I made that announcement at the upfront, I, I found with that upfront press conference, I think you were on it, I found that a couple of people thought we were being optimistic. Uh, I was hoping that I wasn't as a group, or we weren't as a group. I think we did the right thing for ourselves. And we kept going because we have affiliates and advertisers and, and, and viewers who need to watch fresh programming because we know that going down into nothing but repeat would have been not a death knell, but it would be the wrong message to send out. Right. So we accelerated our buying binge. And, and we were very lucky to have made the Stargirl deal. We were very lucky to make the Swamp Thing Tell Me a Story deal. Those are shows that had not been overly exposed in any way, shape, or form. Stargirl has now got a second pickup. We got, I think we did a great job picking up uh, Devils with Patrick Dempsey for the fall. And we made sure we ordered this, the reality shows that we knew that were working, such as Who's Line and Penitella, and kept picking up some other acquisitions along the way so that we would have a fresh schedule that our sales team could sell, our affiliates would have come the fall. Should, had we been too conservative and we would have faced the issue of the other broadcasters or linear players having four programming, we've taken a hit. Uh, I think in the long run, the conservative approach we've taken may have been the most prudent. Did it require to, to, to prepare for that? Did it require, like, were there savings because of this? Or did it require that you actually had to lay out more because you had to buy more, more shows to, to help get you through the period? There would have been no savings and incremental cost had there been a true fall launch. When there's not a true fall launch, you have savings, but now you have to go in and buy things, so you chip away at the savings. The key is to make the programming for both the linear and the digital end of the CW, for CWTV and CWC, as unique and as inviting for the, for the advertiser and the consumer to come in. So that part wasn't the question. The bigger question was really, uh, how do you make sure that when you have your shows ready to go, that there's every with safety as a top priority, that the protocols are in place, that everyone's working together, that we can do it the right way. So far, we've been lucky with the Outpost and Pandora. The Outpost shoots, I believe, in Bulgaria, and Pandora shoots in Serbia. Uh, they shut down. Those countries allowed them back in, and they're already in production again. How long they stay in production is beyond anyone's control, but they're following protocols that have, that have been accepted by the government. So um, we think we're in good place. I don't know what the viewership will be or not be. I do know that we have provided for our affiliates, our advertisers, and our viewers programming that is within the branding of the CW. What would you say are the biggest challenges or the sort of juggling acts that you're doing right now to manage CW as a live business where you do have to have programming on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday nights and 
managing the business for where the television, you know, entertainment, scripted entertainment is clearly going into a more on-demand streaming platform and presentation. You guys have were obviously in streaming very early and have a you know a, a differentiated strategy from others. How though, just in the in managing what you spend and your content decisions, like how much has the growth of on-demand and streaming, how much has that impacted your decision making? Um doesn't impact your you believe in a show um, in terms of that. You're not believing it. You're hoping that a show is both linear and digital at the same time. Uh, you, we have been surprised what we thought would be digital shows turned out to be linear shows, and shows that have been linear shows have turned out to be massive digital shows. So you, the consumer at the end of the day tells you that, Cynthia. We can guess. One of the advantages that we have found, and I, I think our advent, uh strategy has been vindicated by the amount of players now entering into that space. Right. And, and we have been... Universal, Viacom CBS with Pluto TV. Uh, it, it made me feel good that what CWTV.com and CWC have accomplished uh, together uh, in terms of that. So for us, that ad space will always be, streaming space will always be important because it's free and it's new. And the question now is, have you got enough new stuff to keep people interested? So that, that's a bit of a, a library product that you put into the digital streaming. It's fresh product. Look, Star, the fresh episodes of Stargirl and the, and the Hundred have been a boon to us this summer. Now, the other big moment is last year at the Netflix deal ended for SVOD. Right. Uh, you had an you had an output agreement for a number of years with Netflix that was very good for both sides. But now that, you know, in, in this ever-changing world, that deal has ended. Right. And it was a beneficial deal and it stayed a beneficial deal. But the, the, the real boom to us long-term and last year, despite the stoppage and everything else, when we had the capability of, in essence, stacking the first three shows, soon to be the fourth show in Stargirl, next year we'll have four more shows. So Eight shows will have stackability on an ad bot basis. That changes the dynamic of how you're pushing out your marketing to the consumer. So we have seen good things with Batwoman and Nancy Drew and the first two full stack. They they will have have brought in viewers we would not have expected. They will become available eventually in HBO Max when the new season begins. We have a pretty good relationship with them across the board. And when the new shows come back on, uh, we'll begin rebuilding it again. So to know that almost half your schedule, half your program, scripted programming is becoming part of that stack, ad bot stack, and then by year three, almost all of it, it changes what your ad bot position is. So that, but we don't, we, we select shows for C based on the ability we believe that our viewers watch from a library content. We select shows for CW based on what we believe will work on both the linear and the digital and hope that we're right. Uh, and we also select shows based on what our parent companies, I think they, they perceive their needs to be. Because as a JV, what makes it really work is that we help kickstart the ecosystem for them 
in terms of sales and their product. Right. As a joint venture of now, Viacom, even the names have changed. Viacom, CBS, and uh, Warner Media, you know, flowing up into AT&T. When you establish that relationship with Netflix, could you draw a connection? Could you see a bounce in ratings on linear? Do you see yes. their back? Is yes. there like cross-pollination there? Yes. Um, we first noticed, it sounds funny, back in 2011-12, when the first Netflix deal happened, and it started with Supernatural. Ah. And so because people had never really truly saw it, they binged the first six or seven seasons, and they came back in force uh, for the following season, particularly as we padded with Arrow. We have seen it happen there. We've seen it with Flash. We've seen it with Jane. We've seen it with uh, All American and Riverdale. Um, those shows truly benefited from uh, the Netflix effect. Uh, it made a challenge because uh, for Rick Haskins and his marketing team, because he now has to make sure people understand that you can watch it exclusively in season only on the CW. So, but we saw linear bounces as well as for digital bounces. Uh, All America has become a, a massive hit. Through, and that would be through largely digital viewing? It's through primarily digital viewing. So whether, whatever Netflix has done and what we've done on our own, on our own uh, advert site, plus you saw a linear bump last year. Are you concerned, given the Netflix effect, are you concerned that your newer shows your older library shows that were under that deal will continue. The older seasons will continue on Netflix, as I understand, but newer shows are now going to be exclusive to CW TV. Are you concerned about the potential to lose that Netflix bump? Uh, I, I think a lot of it depends on how HBO Max works um, and how that all gets launched out. We've, we've, we've figured out our windowing with them. Now the question do they get the formability of what Netflix has today? And if that happens, then the process will work the same as it did before. So I'm confident that they'll get there. And, and our legacy shows are already on Netflix. Yes, they are Netflix. It's just the new shows going forward. Is the, H, is the HBO Max windowing basically the same, similar to what it was with Netflix after the shows come off, uh, after the shows complete the season? The way it works, we have a full stack of the new shows on Avon. All episodes will just All stack episodes. throughout the, yeah. yeah. So Batwoman, for, for, for this year, Batwoman, Stargirl, Nancy Drew, Katie King, we control the full stack. At some point prior to the season beginning, we will cont- we'll continue our full stack and, and they will have an S5 stack. So we'll be going back and forth. Both sides will have a stack. So on that, the windowing basis. With Netflix way it worked, it was a roll, we could only keep a rolling five. Mm. So we actually saw things happen from a linear point of view that viewership would start to decline at the very end because people are waiting to do the binge to watch the episode. Now we're able to provide them if they wish to binge it, they can just binge it on us on the ad line. We'll eventually just go back on the SVOD model to binge it on HBO Max. Now, when you made this shift and you you were able to have your show, you know, to start the process of having a full stack of your shows, did your ad, ad sales team go, 
oh my God, with joy, or oh my God, we now have so much inventory to sell? Actually with joy. Our inventory will sell. So they're actually joyful. What they're sad about more than that um, is much more the fact that the season was shortened, obviously. And the second thing is, this is the more complicated. And I started before with the fact that we've been in the AVOD business for a long, long time and probably for many, many years enjoyed premium content by ourselves. That world has changed. And, and so you have real competition. And so in that competition of the Peacock or Pluto or Tubi or whatever it may be, you, or Crackle, you now have far more things to go out. And that does create a lot of digital inventory. So now you have to be smart how you best sell it or don't sell it and how you bundle it together with your linear inventory. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Far, more, far more in the weeds than I wanted to go. Way, uh, lots of three-dimensional chess going on. And you mentioned earlier, you know, you you have, um, like other broadcasters, you have affiliates. You have partners in virtually every one of Nielsen's 210 television markets. And they also have needs. And they and, they, and these local TV stations have definitely, it's, it's, it's been a rough, it's been a rough run. Local advertising, even before COVID, is, has been softer than, you know, the, on the national front. How, you know, have you, have, you must have over the years considered alternatives to broadcast distribution, but do you feel like that relationship, the, the relationship with the next stars and the Sinclairs, the big station owners, is that still prosperous for both sides? I believe so. I believe we're brought, look, we're a multi-platform network. We haven't hit from that. We've been transparent about it. Uh, we, people have been thrilled about it. People have bitched us about it. Uh, because they wanted exclusive for broadcast. Right, right. Again, the world changed and their world changed. Obviously, if they move to ASTC 3.0, they're becoming multi-point, multi-platform players within a local market. So uh, people get it, you know, as far as that goes. The, the, but with broadcasters at heart, look, broadcasting provides penetration of almost 100% of the country. Who else gets that, you know, in terms of that? Uh, broadcasting to provide local reach and local marketing, things that they can do on a localized basis that we can't do because we only can do it on a national basis. So from, we plan to remain a broadcaster. I mean, I don't think that there'll be, I think all negotiations are tough negotiations and affiliation renewals, but our goal is to stay put. Uh, we are proud of the partnership we have with all our uh, affiliate group, that's going to plan. Mm-hmm. scripts and all the rest, hers. So uh, we're thrilled. Has know, there been, there's been a lot of changes, a lot of consolidation among the broadcast groups. Next Star, when I first started covering television uh, at this level, literally the legal limit of a, what a station, what a, what any entity, a company, a person, the legal limit that they could own was 12 stations. Today, as we sit here, as we speak, you know, Next Star owns 200 <laughs> and they're with you know within the law like that that world has changed so much has there been benefits to networks from your perspective from the consolidation is there more is there a, a streamlining of you know since since next stars and sinclairs represent so many stations and cover so much 
of the country is has there been any ease in terms of like coordinating marketing or 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 conversely any drawbacks when i did my first affiliate meeting in may of two, you know, april of 2012 i think we had something like 27 or 28 groups uh last well last year we this year we didn't do it the year before we did i think we're down to like 10, 11, 12. So it changes the dynamics in that way. The good side is they've all been relatively good partners, particularly on the marketing side. I, I, Sinclair, through Dana Felder and her team, have been great marketing partners uh, yeah. and, and they're great to work with. Uh, Weigel with Neil Sabin out of Chicago and his passion, they've been great partners. Nextstar has been a very good partner. Nextstar has an ongoing transparent communication. Uh, Betty Ellen Villamino, who runs our distribution, speaks to Perry periodically about a number of things, as I do, but she takes the brunt of it. Doesn't mean, again, I go back, doesn't mean negotiations are gonna be easy. Right. But I believe everyone has a benefit in our continuing relationship with them and their continuing relationship with us. For sure. Um, let's talk specifically about about programming. Your you are saying goodbye to you recently said goodbye to Arrow. It was a, which was a big cornerstone for you. Obviously, was the, the kind of the, the the signpost or the pointer toward the importance of the DC the DC world, the CW. And uh, although it's hard for many to believe, this does appear to be the last. So this, we are about to get the last lap of Supernatural episodes, and those, if I'm not mistaken, will start October-ish, late September. Yes, we we had five in the can. Uh huh. Um, they had not quite completed. I've seen the rough cut, so I know they're five in the can. They have not yet completed the post production on them. It was the last two, and they had when when the shutdown occurred. The last two, they had about three weeks worth of filming left to do. So. Uh, Jared and Jensen are ready to go. I communicate with them periodically, and they're dying to get out of Boston, I think. <laughs> I think Jared escaped to go to Sun Valley for a while. Um, and uh, I know I've been talking to Peter Roth in the studio, and we're hoping, hoping that uh, end of August and early September, they'll be able to complete the final two episodes. Therefore, we thought, instead of trying to do anything, when we planned our full schedule, uh, we said, well, this is kind of seven episodes. It's like a season into a slice of those mini season into itself. It'll be an event for the fans. Yeah, and 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 go take the negative of what happened and turn it to a positive. We have put together uh, a fabulous, uh, I can't say the word retrospective, a tribute uh, to, the, to 15 years of the series, which they all participated in. And and it is great. And we plan to make an event out of it, you know, as far as it goes. And it, I'm going to be sad to see it go. Um, yeah. uh, Supernatural has been a stalwart. The guys have been great. Uh, they have been willing part partners and changing time periods right and left. Uh, so it can be sad. And, and the losing of Aaron and Supernatural at the same time two shows that help launch my real start at the CW. Right. Uh, is, is bittersweet. And Arrowverse, the Arrow, who would have thought 
that show comes to October 2012 in Arrow, which spawned what it spawned across the whole industry in terms of superhero programming, particularly the CW franchises and everything else that goes with it. Uh, you know, kudos to Volante, the studio, and all the people involved. But yeah, I, I'm going to miss it. Uh, but again, we're in a business where change is inevitable. Yeah. We've, I think we've been in constant change throughout. And we've grown and expanded. We now have Sunday night. So that's allowed us to do things differently. And uh, maybe there'll be another night. Maybe there won't. Um, do you feel like do you feel like the schedule is a bit in rebuilding mode right now? The schedule is always in rebuilding mode. Uh, you sure. know, uh, things change on a daily basis. I, I know where ten poles work for us. I know where they're not working for us. But you have to have product to make sure it goes into it. We elected for January to go with stability because I, I think the audience wants stability at this point. So that's why we did not make a whole lot of changes on the schedule. Mm -hmm. Did the, the Sunday, you're coming up on two years since you went back to Sunday nights with original program, with fresh programming. How has that been for you? Is that, does it, is it important to be on that night for you from like an ad sales and marketing perspective? Uh, huge. Uh, I think it helped the affiliates immensely. And now looked at the CW as a much bigger network. Uh, there's, I, I know some of the affiliate groups had asked, will you consider Saturday night? And that's a conversation I'd have to have with the board and whether we would or we wouldn't. Um, but Sunday night has worked. I think the affiliates will believe it worked. We provided quality uh, scripted programming in those time slots. So we, we walked the walk. We talked the talk, we did the whole thing. I think everyone's pleased. I think from the affiliate point of view, most of their, I think, challenges have been, we haven't quite broke out a nine o'clock show to help their time partners. And, and in that case, they're right. We've done much better with our eight o'clock shows than our nine o'clock. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Gotcha. Um, is, is Saturday night just such a dead zone that it doesn't make economic sense? Or do, do you think there's, Opportunity on that night. Oh, I, I believe there's always opportunity on that night. Uh, I believe. Look, you're not. It's not the night when I was growing up of Mary Tyler Moore, All in the Family, Mash, and Archie Bunker. It's it, that 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 Saturday doesn't exist in any way, shape, or form. But there's a business to be had in there, and there's there's productivity both on your digital side and on your, and on your affiliate side because it's the providing programming and it gives us something from a national basis to sell. So I think there's something on Saturday night. It's not going to lock the house, but it, it, I think it makes, you can program it where it makes sense. Yeah, I hear you. Let me ask you about another issue that's obviously been much in the headlines of late. Uh, you know, the, the whole country is seemingly ha having a kind of a reckoning right now about racial justice is issues. This in the industry, the entertainment industry in particular, in the last couple of years has been dealing with some, you know, very hard truths about, you know, workplace realities, about sexual harassment. CW was, I think, by any measure has been definitely a leader in terms of diversity, both in front of the camera, behind the camera, you know, particularly like in female showrunners, it's been enormously important 
you know, training ground and great place for people to get experienced. How do you make sure that, that what is on paper is actually being implemented? Well, thank you for acknowledging the CW's efforts. That means a lot for the entire group of people who work there. And I mean, the proof is in the, the proof is on the air. We made a choice uh, back when I first got there to actually alter the perception of what the CW was. Uh, and we made a conscious choice on a development, on a current basis, to push the studios, the showrunners, who have been incredibly cooperative, to change what the writers' rooms look like, who's directing, who's behind the camera across the board. Um, so we have strived for that, and I think we lived it. To answer your question how best to do this, you do it. It's nice to have a lot of words on a piece of paper. You have to listen. You have to learn. You have to find ways to implement things in challenging time because it's easy in challenging time for people to say no. And now it's even more challenging. Uh, so it's about continuing to push. It, it really is. I, I wish it, I'm not knocking all these programs. I'm not, I'm not doing that because I, I wish I had the money as a company that we could do a lot of this. But I think what you can do more than anything else is provide job opportunity. It's about job. And make sure that you have representation and inclusion across the board. So we strive to do that. And in this trying time, even as good as we've been, we could be better, both as a corporation and as a uh, as a provider of content. So we work with our partners to do that. Black showrunners, I personally have done that to find out what we can do better. How do we protect our talent on social media, which we, not that we didn't successfully do it, we didn't do it well enough. Mm. So there are things that we have to take the hard look about ourselves and have the, have the willingness to change. But you gotta do it. A piece of paper is great. People have to be forced into doing it. Do you think, I know that- Well, that's the force is the wrong word. People have to be led. If they're led into doing it and it becomes part of your culture, it's hard to break, it's hard to break it back down. Well, we add this kind of, uh, you know, administration and adjudication to the long list of things on the job of a network CEO that people probably never think about. Mark Pedowitz, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you having a conversation about some uncomfortable topics. I appreciate it. My pleasure, Cynthia. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another conversation with movers and shakers in media and entertainment. Please be sure to subscribe to this podcast to stay up to date on future episodes. Also, please leave us a review in Apple Podcasts. We love to hear from listeners.